Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premium North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. Welcome back, rugby fans. It's episode 111 here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Joining me here today, we've got Scott, the big guy, Ferrari, and myself. In the absence of, of course, Rob, the Hammer Hammerschmidt, will be here taking on the important stuff in a moment with Around the Pitch. So let's take the opportunity to dive into it, Scott. We got Rob out the way. The first news is gone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So let's uh, make sure that we highlight the important stuff. And as fans aren't sure what we're talking about, we call this around the pitch. It's a quick fire back and forth on this occasion between Scott and I as we bring it forth for you what we think is interesting, noteworthy, that might have flown under the radar, something that should be known about, and we're here to be able to share it with you in our news piece. So, Scott, I'm actually going to throw the ball to you, so to speak, on this first one. Take it away, buddy. Speaking about throwing the ball, wide receiver coach for the New York Giants, Mike Groh, is using a rugby ball during drills. How did he get that rugby ball? Let me tell you a little story. Rugby New York's Pago Heine outside tossing the ball around with a bunch of the guys. A Scottish dude shows up. They start talking about rugby. They find out it's the Giants punter, Jamie Gillen, uh, the Scottish hammer. Um, Paco gives him a ball, Gets actually gives him a couple balls. Uh, Jamie, in turn, gives them some tickets. And now the New York Giants wide receivers are using a rugby ball during drills. What they're learning to do and what they're trying to do and what they're hoping to do is getting their hands as wide as possible using the big rugby ball so that way their fingertips are as wide as possible to get set little football. That's how we're making rugby mainstream. Chicago Heine, President 2024. I love I love the setup too. By the way, folks, that was not planned. When I'm like, let me throw you the ball. On that note, talking about throwing balls, it's like we rehearsed this shit, but it's just all natural. <laughs> all right. So let me take the opportunity to dive into the next piece and we turn our attention back to the Falcons as they've now finished their attempt uh, at a two-match uh, two series down in Uruguay. And then the other half, so it was kind of a split for fans who aren't aware uh, from tradition that normally the Falcons side uh, would have gone and toured somewhere this time they actually had two squads one went to Uruguay one went to South Africa this last weekend they finally finished their two match series in South Africa taking on the A-Link Pumas who by the way are the current Curry Cup champions that's the first Premier Division uh, local rugby uh, tournament the oldest one in the world by the way um, and they managed to be able to take them on Toyota Stadium the scoreline uh, was not in their favor but it was thrilling rugby a lot of great lessons some great names like Augsburger. You've got these guys that are, are, of course, are still shining at that level and will continue to shine, but bringing in the younger talent. Scoreline was 33-15. And then down south, uh, taking on the Argentinian 15, um, who are a formidable force. Uh, that was the uh, the other side for the Falcons. And the scoreline there was 81 to 21. Uh, certainly not flattering, but this is more of a case of win or learn. So this is really to be able to kind of vet the next generation. Uh, you've got two solid sides that competed against professional uh, teams and came away with a lot to learn. And that's what was most important as we look ahead to the next generation for USA. Scott, what else have you got? I'm sticking with my theme of New York real quick. 
let's talk about what's happening with Andy Ellis these next two weeks. Andy Ellis, of course, coming off the winning the shield uh, with Rugby New York. Um, it was just announced today, that today being Monday, the 24th, that he will be a rugby advisor for the Kobe Steelers, a team in which he played for. Um, and speaking with him, you know, in the past, he loved playing for that team. He loves, still loves that organization. Um, if you go check out their Insta stories, uh, you can just see the excitement in his eyes. And, and the reason why it's also interesting is a former ML- MLR player. It's a, the player, I think he was second in all points in 2022. Bowden Waka is on that squad. So you have Bowden Waka and Andy Ellis teaming up. A free jack and a rooster teaming up. I think the world's going <laughs> to... Think the world's gonna end somewhere, Phil? His head's exploding, baby. Forget the Middle East crisis. This is the one that you can't solve. <laughs> yeah, this is this is like this is oof, this is crazy. But no, right. It's good to see guys going to uh, going to places where they love to play and, mm-hmm. and you know having those MLR roots. Yeah, isn't it great to be able to see how uh, players from this side or those come from overseas coming here, then taking that back there, talking probably very well about their experiences here. We know Andy Ellis has certainly uh, enjoyed his time in New York. Uh, and of course, what a journey it has been for all the others. We hope to be able to see more uh, apply their trade overseas because they are the ambassadors of the, the North American rugby, whether they have been here uh, just playing here or our residents here or whatever it may be. But let's turn our attention to the next piece um turning on the topic to something else that i know you normally talk about scott uh and you certainly are a champion of this is wheelchair rugby now for those of you who aren't familiar the world championships was recently hosted um this past uh, through this october window and this is coming off the back of a pretty successful Tokyo campaign for the Olympics for the USA side in the U.S. Uh, wheelchair rugby. They got silver on that occasion, losing out narrowly, of course, in the final matchup. But this uh, set them up on their way to get there against Australia. And now this time around in the World uh, Championships, uh, they ended up taking on Australia again. So it was kind of a little bit of a grudge match. My point is they managed to come away again with their second silver medal at top flight competition in less than a year so it is certainly great to be able to see this if you've not yet seen it check it out it can be seen on many great platforms uh, and you'll continue to be able to hear us talk about it whenever it is relevant and uh, do yourself a favor as a rugby fan enjoy every version of the game that you can possibly get and on that note scott that is around the pitch and we will be back in a few moments as we introduce Karen the Gaz Gasparino for our rant as we talk about the USA versus Canada women's rugby campaign. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, and it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your micro crew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. 
Welcome back, rugby fans. It's that time again where we put ourselves and our guests to the test in our rugby debate, known as the rants, which you have come to love, and we certainly have come to love it as well as one of our features of each and every episode. And as is tradition, we need to take a moment to be able to introduce those that are here with us. You, of course, know Scott Ferrar and myself, Ty Braga, but more importantly, who is representing Canada in this conversation. We welcome back the Gaz, Karen Gasberino. Welcome. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to have you. And for folks who don't yet know what Karen does in rugby, the answer is everything. <laughs> but more importantly, uh, and not only is she a super fan for the Toronto Arrows, she's a contributor to the rugby community uh, by way of the Rugby Hive. You may have read many of her great articles in support of that fantastic podcast with Dallin and Go. Uh, and we welcome you here um, on the mic this time to be able to take on Scott Ferrara, the big guy himself. So it's kind of a, is this an unofficial rugby high versus rugby rank challenge that we've been praying for, for a year and a half? No. <laughs> I'm only teasing. <laughs> there was one to sweat there. <laughs> right on. I like it. So uh, before we dive into it, guys, it's best that we remind our viewers, how does this work? So with the rugby rants, it's pretty much uh, familiar to most of you. But if you're not sure what we do, it's an opportunity to be able to debate one single topic. And we're going to ask them to be able to compete against one another, to be able to bring forth the best thoughts possible, to be able to state their case. And at the end, I'll be the one to decide who has brought forth the best points and deserves the honors on this episode. One, 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 triple one digits, right? So we want to make sure that you understand what we're talking about. This is going to be looking into the continuation of week three for the Women's Rugby World Cup, of course, taking place in New Zealand. Most recently, it was Canada versus the USA in this final Group B matchup. Now, Canada, of course, went in as the favorites, choosing to be, um, or most people chose them, I should say, as the number one seed. They have, of course, been cemented as that after this match with a winning uh, scoreline. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But we're here to debate, how did it go? And now that they have the opportunity to meet each other again, this time in the quarterfinals, what do they need to do this next time around to be able to secure the points and with it, the advancement into later stages for the Rugby World Cup? We're going to hand it over, as is tradition, to our guest to be the first ranter. So, Karen, the floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I got to open by saying that Canada is so proud of the women. They've done such an amazing job. They're consistent. They've been consistent for, for probably the last decade plus. Like we have high expectations of them, but they always deliver. So we're super, super happy uh, with the team in general. Then Arue is doing a great job uh, taking over and, and uh, has gotten right in there. He seems to have the respect of the, of the team, which is of, of utmost importance. So that is one plus in the plus column. Um, uh, of course, uh, the games have, even though Canada is hasn't lost a match, uh, the games have been a little bit close, and uh, their second halves have maybe a few handling errors, uh, some um, sloppy hands, um, it, it, something that I'm sure that they would be spending this week working on, especially uh, since they have to face their 
uh, you know, Chiefs and Saracens um, teammates yet again. Um, and your team will be hungry. I know they will. They they will want that back so bad. And that would be the upset of the tournament if if the USA puts Canada to bed. That would be that would genuinely be the upset of the tournament. So that will make Canada very nervous, and that will make the USA very hungry. Uh, a lot of respect back and forth for for those two these two teams. You know the the battle of the forty ninth, but. Um, they, they, they're both gonna really, really. I'm, I'm so nervous myself. You can probably tell. Like I just, I just don't know, and I, I don't even think I'm gonna get any sleep whatsoever because I will be so full of adrenaline by the time it's over, late at night for us. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, for us the pluses. Okay, so Captain Sophie is is has proven time right. and again in, in 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 every place that she plays that she is the class and i know uh, talk, talk about talent you know we were talking about this last week and i'm sorry to be ready for a moment but sophie de goody uh, has previously been on our show so we call her a friend to the show uh, at eight uh, and also the kicking duties as well she's a leader from the front she puts in the hard yards certainly has been one of the stars uh, of the canadian effort so far so we definitely agree there I, I would argue she's the best eight in the world, but I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 I think that there's uh, some evidence to, to back that and, and she's definitely the best eight in the world, but the best eight with a boot, like that's, that's, that's just icing on top. So, um, Corgan fast aware, mm-hmm. she's a great outside center. Her player, player of the match was well-deserved. Emily Tutusi in her debut, uh, World Cup duties, uh, like she's leading the yeah. pack. With and and what has she racked up six tries so far in like, what, three games? What is going into the fourth game? I mean, she might be yeah. one of the top try scorers so far. She is one <laughs> of the top try scorers. So, yeah, it was definitely. And then my personal favorite is uh, Karen Paquin. I mm-hmm. love Karen Paquin. She's amazing. So, yeah. A lot of great names that you're throwing out there, and they're and they're all uh, wonderful because not only is it, it, it like these players, as you pointed out, have an opportunity to be able to play together on the field, um, but also with the, with the US. So it's great to be able to see how these two sides have uh, developed, and these players having gone overseas have just like taken it up a whole new level from last season. Um, you know, there were a couple of great games building up. We think that Canada probably had a better momentum than the U.S. going into this current World Cup, um, having had some really strong competition, some fairly decent results. But you can see they refined those combinations. Uh, I do like the introduction of Corrigan. Uh, um, I, I think this might have been her first starting uh, a match of, of the of the tournament so far. Uh, but she's a powerful, strong runner. Um, she she hits it straight. She she cuts the line breaks. Uh, she's really strong with the ball. And I think through the, that's what a lot of people are taking away right now from the performances so far for Canada is that offensively they can have these brilliant moments of magic but with those simplistic errors being removed from the game the scoreline should be much higher than they actually are so you kind of feel like they've got another gear to be able to hit still right well and I want them to hit it I I think we all do I think 
the, the letting the foot off the gas in the second half where the mm-hmm. opposition can sneak in and, and push their offense um, really puts Canada on the back foot. And the U.S. was starting to show glimmers of getting it. Like they, they were getting Canada's game. And I, right. don't want, I don't want them to be able to, to capitalize on those handling errors and capitalize on the fact that, uh, you know, Canada might uh, mm-hmm. gas out at 60 minutes. Uh, so Canada will be working on that kind of that fourth quarter, if you will, uh, right. and making sure that they, that they can keep in, keep in it mm-hmm. and keep the hands clean. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that like Canada for you feels like they play a really great 60 minute game. But of course, we all know it's an 80 minute game. So that last 20 is that area, the greatest area of improvement. You know, words from 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 uh, Rob Kane recently uh, for the U.S. side. He wanted to be able to say his post-match comments uh, after the match for the USA thoughts was he wanted to prove that the USA is not a 30 minute winning side meaning they only have 30 minutes of great rugby and then 15 minutes is lackluster after that. To, with that note, I'm gonna, I think it's a perfect opportunity to hand it over to you, Scott, to be able to speak the words for the U.S. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it was a, that's, a, that's a good quote, and I think that's one of the things that every rugby team you know, wants, right, is a complete 80-minute perfect game. I think that's what every coach wants, what every player wants. It is achievable at certain points. You know, we've seen classic matches where both teams have played 80 minutes and, and into, you know, extra time um, and played great rugby. But, you know, here's the thing. Uh, Team USA did play really good rugby in the first half. It just did, it just didn't work out for them on the, on the scoring uh, side. You know, I mean, we're talking about uh, three tries to one in the first half. Um, and really uh, you talked about friend of the show, Sophie, the goodie, she hit a freaking conversion right at the, at halftime from like a really tough angle that I went, Ooh, mm-hmm. that felt like a dagger, right? Here's the thing. Play resumes at halftime and U.S. comes out and starts punching the Canadians in the mouth. And at right. that point, at, yeah, at that point, Canada started to, to build those errors and have those handling errors and, and have those right. issues. And and we started to see some movement. Now, yeah, I don't think there was another scoring opportunity until the 60th minute for Canada, right? Correct. And it was it was right after Tess Fury put one over the line. But uh, on a review, it was determined there was an obstruction on a defender. Mm-hmm you know, that, that happens. I think if, if that doesn't happen in USA, if that, that score is upheld, I don't know if the Canadians then come back and have their right. ball. It could have changed the, the momentum of minute. the game. Yeah. So I think it just, you know, that, that one, that one little thing, you know, minor issue killed them. Um, you know, Alev Kelter, let's be honest. She, she single-handedly, you know, was, was just, I mean, what do you say? I, I, you can't say anything more about her. I mean, her, her first try, um, it was for to set up the scene. There was a flick one-handed behind the back pass, two or three offloads get to two left Kelter. And she shrugged off three Canadian defenders to then right. score. Talk about end. the power, right? That she has uh, strong on her feet. Exactly. And then you talk about, yeah. And then talk about Sophie, the goody kicking of conversions. Alev Kelter kicked her own conversion, um, yep. on that particular one. Uh, real quick, you, um, uh, Tatasi is the leading uh, try scorer, and she's also the leading point scorer at 30. The Lev Kelter is right there behind her uh, with 24 points, like two or three below her. Yeah, shout um, out for the forwards, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 <sighs> here's the thing. That second half by the USA was great. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the scoring opportunities didn't, didn't, weren't there. 
what I liked was they didn't stop at halftime and like take their foot off the gas or right, you know, try a different tactic. They know coming in that they could just punch and punch and punch and punch and punch. And eventually Canada's going to make mistakes. And it's not just Canada. It's every team is going to do that. If you keep mm-hmm. punching them in the mouth, I like the way that the roster was set up. Um, I think we talked about this two weeks ago when we were saying, you know, uh, Kelter at fullback is great. If you really think it's going to be a super tight match, but you really want her at center. So she can go forward and make those plays where she's right. And look at the impact yeah. she made. Absolutely. Um, the other thing I do want to talk about uh, Canada a little bit. Um, one of the women that I've been following closely, she just, she uh, just started coming up on the squad. Tyson Bukaboom. Um, she came on at halftime um, and really did while, while USA was pounding and pounding and pounding, she really did work at the breakdown. Um, you love to see that out of your, your big long locks. Um couldn't get as many jackals as she would like, but again, she she did one of those smart things where she was just trying to counter ruck at certain times to, uh-huh. to blow off to blow off uh, the uh, uh, the scrum half, uh, making outlet passes and things like that. Um, Very patient. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't and it was it wasn't coming in recklessly. It was coming in measured, you know, and and playing it and saying, "All right, I'm going to come in. Is this going to make a difference? No. Let me get down the defensive line." She was kind of copping herself on that too. So. Um, yeah, I think going forward, come out with the same intensity against Canada. You know, let's 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 not the, let's not let them get seven in a row. We have a good class of ladies here. Um, you know, they have just as much experience as the Canadians as far as professional experience out in the Premiership. Um, you know, they're all playing against each other. They're all playing with each other um, out there. And I think you know we have the team to beat Canada. No offense, Karen. Like I told my buddy Doug Wilkie before uh, the match, I said, listen. Hashtag ABC, right? Always beat Canada, but don't worry, Dougie. I love you tomorrow. Same thing. I love you. I love you after the match, Karen. But until then, it's ABC. Always beat Canada. I like it. I like it. I like it. Strong words. And, you know, I wanted to jump in there and just throw a few thoughts of my own. Uh, both of you really brought up some great stuff, though. And and I want to touch on, on some of the thoughts that Scott shared a moment ago. And I think most people would agree the second half defensive effort from the USA to be able to not let it run away immediately. I mean, I think going into the halftime, it was 19-7 up for Canada, of course. Now, typically you're in a very dangerous position. What is the mentality of the players when they come back to the field? Is it going to be attack or do we just try and absorb it for another 20 minutes? You pointed out, Karen, that sometimes the greatest advantage to be able to come back at Canada is if you can hold out in that first uh, 20 minutes of the second half. Keep the score low and you have a chance to come back into the game as their legs start to get tired. And I think that's what started to happen is we had a 10-point difference at one stage. It was 14 to 24 before those final points came in at the very end, uh, pushing uh, Canada up to 29. But uh, it could have turned the other way if a few passes had gone the right way. Had, you know, For both sides, it could have been a very different scoreline. But I think the takeaways for, for the USA immediately is they need to continue improving their lineouts. Uh, lineouts, I think, was only, uh, I think they secured 11 of the 14, but that's not a significant number. It's the three that they missed were all in danger, uh, uh, ter- dangerous territory for, for Canada. And what I mean by that, there were scoring opportunities if the set plays had been handled correctly. And we all know with rugby, if you don't control the set play, you don't control your own set play, you're not setting up quality ball for any attacking line. Uh, and that's what shows in this game and some of the previous ones for the USA. So regardless who their competition would be, 
that's an improvement right there that they need to work on. On the other hand, Canada was flawless in their uh, in their lineouts and setting up the rolling mall to be able to convert those points. So it was more of the same from them that we've seen all tournament long. Obviously, why would they go and change that now in this next game when they've got a winning formula and a great weapon at their disposal? The, the onus is really on the USA now. What are they going to do to improve that part of the game? And I think if they can, if they can properly defend that one really great uh, tool that Canada has, the scoreline is not going to be uh, as, as distant as this last one was. I think you might see a score that's going to be inside of seven points between these two. One converted try might separate them or something lesser than. But I want to hear what do you guys think as we move forward and turn our attention to this quarterfinal matchup. And Karen, I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, I I, I think that it's going to come down to a battle of nerves. Uh, you know, I, I think that each team is going to try to get under the other skin. And, uh, you know, they're both, both teams are very physical, very mm-hmm. talented, you know, great athletic team. Uh, so it's not going to be, it's not going to come down to the athleticism. I think it's going to be a mental game because sure. it, they're playing each other, you know, second seed to seventh seed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right. Canada has lots to play for. There's a large but- psychological factor. And to your point, I just want to further the same point, though, and I think it's a really good one, because going into this match, uh, before this last matchup, I should say, uh, Canada had never beaten the U.S. six times in a row. They did so. That has to be a major psychological advantage. Now going into a quarterfinal, having been beaten from this team, looking for their seventh win in a row, one second seed, one seventh seed. You know, these are psychological factors that you obviously have to bear in mind as a professional athlete. So I'm glad you brought that up. Well, you'll have the veterans, uh, you know, shoring it up as well. And, you know, getting the the, the younger players, uh, mm-hmm. the history lessons and, and just encouraging them to to just keep plugging forward and getting that ball over the line. You know, you've got yeah, uh, Sarah and Karen. Laura's not playing, but she's still there. An immense amount of uh, of of history with the oval ball there with Laura Russell. So uh, I think it's I just it's going to be the most exciting thing right. in a very long time. I'm going to push you for a prediction here, Karen. What's the score going to be? I think Canada's going to win it, but I think it is going to be a close game, but I think it'll be, um, I'm going to go Canada 33, the USA 25. Okay. So you think it's going to be a fairly high scoring affair and that would be great for fans to be able to see. And it's not unlike what we've already seen from this world cup. So there you have it. 33 to 25 is the prediction from Karen Gasparino. Let's hand it over to Scott. What do you think? It's funny because Karen just talked about the mind games and stuff like that. And the first thing I was going to say before, you know, I was, I was prepping for what I was going to talk about. And I was going to talk about the yellow card that Kate Zachary got at the 80th Mm -hmm. minute in the last match. And that was her saying, I'm not going to allow by any means while I'm on the field, Canada scoring another try. And to me, that's the kind of mindset you want. You want to be, you know, mean, you want to be nasty within the rules. Leave it all out on the field. 
not, you know, not, not getting penalties for it and obviously not, you know, getting people injured for it, but you want to, you want to work that way. You want to walk the walk and talk the talk and you want to be that mean, nasty person. Um, and Kate Zachary, I thought did that with that yellow card. I really like to see that she was like, not today. Canada ended up scoring when she left the field. But my point is she wasn't going to allow it. Um, I do think you were right as far as the lineouts. We have to get our lineouts straightened out, but we've proved that we can hold Canada um, when they're, when they're driving. Right. So we've proved mm-hmm. that even though they get into positions where they can score, we can hold them at certain points. It's just our end where we're getting held up, where we're having obstruction calls that are kind of where we're missing those points. So I think, again, just like Canada, we play the same game. We play our game. Right. But I need, I, I need people like Hope Rogers and, and Charlie Jacoby to, to show up. Um, Hope Rogers had amazing uh, matches. The first two matches, she was kind of lost a little bit in the fray here. Um, we need them to show up. I think the only thing we need to do uh, really is, is on a counterattack. Um, the few times Canada's going to kick the ball, we have to have a better counterattack and, and not kind of just sit there and sit flat footed. Right. Um, and there were moments of brilliance in between where they kind of mixed up their attack approach, you know, chip over the top and a chase provided a really close opportunity. Um, but, but, you know, the, the stock standard go out wide and try to beat your outside uh, runner is not going to work. They need to change the attacking lines. Canada had some really brilliant uh, line breaks. So, so we would, we would imagine to be able to see some, some struggles in the midfield there. It needs to be a little bit tighter on the U S defense there, I would say as well. Absolutely. And if you're going to go outside, you have to set up with inside runs with your big forwards. And this is something that right. I scream. I mean, how many times do I have to say it on this goddamn show, Ty? The MLR coaches <laughs> need to listen to the big guy. Run your A gap. No, sit, run your friggin' A gaps. And guess what? Those wings are going to suck up into the friggin' into the breakdown. And all of a sudden, you can make that pass to get that person run around the end. Right. But you have to set it up. You can't just do it all the time. You have to set it up different ways. So I think if we can do that, if we can make those little adjustments, mm-hmm. uh, we have a good shot at winning this game. Um, you know, seven in a row, that's that that would be a tough one if Canada wins. So I think it's one of those things that America loves an underdog. USA is coming in an underdog into this match. USA is coming in a little bit of a wounded animal, in my opinion, after losing to Canada six in a row. Right. That could be um, the fire that be, they need, though. Exactly. It's un- unpredictable. And, you know, you never pet a burning dog. So Canada might be in trouble. I'm going to say uh, USA 25, Canada 24. All right. So we think it's going to be close all around. Did you just say never pet a burning dog? And never pet a burning dog. You know, you never I have that? never heard that. Uh, I don't know. Karen, have you ever heard that saying before? I want to say it's a, a strictly New York thing. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a strictly that's a, that's thing. A, no, that's a, that's a, a Southern thing. My boys, my boys down South say that. You see it. The, you see a dog and it's burning. You want to go over and pet it because it's cute, but you got to be careful. Oh, my God. All right. I learned something new every day. There's the quote of the day. Don't pet a burning dog. That's the USA. <laughs> so it is going to be interesting to be able to see. We're going to leave it for fans to be able to tell us what they think. And we'll continue to be able to cover this week after week. As, of course, it is the theme of this month. The action has been unbelievable. We have set new attendance records for the women's game, which, by the way, is also going to go well beyond the uh, the efforts here in the Rugby World Cup uh, down in New Zealand because uh, I believe that the English Roses have now been confirmed as having an opportunity to play in Twickenham itself, which is for the yes. first time uh, will be uh, uh, the feature. You know, they're not going to be a, a, you know, a footnote in a great day of rugby. 
They're going to be the reason everybody's there. And it's great to be able to see this sport elevated to new heights um, from all different directions. And it comes with your help as a viewer. So make sure that you keep tuning in onto Peacock to be able to check it out. Follow it online. You can follow us as we follow it online under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. You can get us on all our socials and including checking us out on the familiar the Rugby Network week after week where we continue to do what we do. It's help rugby grow one fan at a time. Karen, you continue to be able to help us do that as well. So we wanted to be able to send a shout out to you. Thank you for joining us. But while we do that, we also wanted to hand the microphone back to you for a moment to send a shout out to anybody you think might deserve it. Perhaps a special person or an organization, an old club, whoever you think deserves it. The floor is yours. Uh, well, I've had uh, I've had the pleasure this past summer to uh, represent uh, the Canadian Classics in the communications um, side of things, and they're doing amazing work. Uh, it was uh, the, the women uh, a resurgence of the women's side, um, and it, and it was uh, in Newfoundland, and they played the the Senior Rock women's team and brought some. Um, opportunities to the rock as well and it was it was an absolutely amazing experience such talented players um represented uh some of whom are you know down in in new zealand and uh some of whom are going on to represent um the rugby league as well so just super super a uh, great opportunity for me to 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 do that and uh, as always, a, a shout to uh, Dallin and uh, Robin at the Hive and Ben Gollings as well, who's involved with the Hive and just took his uh, flying Fijians to uh, the World Cup and won. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's much great to time. the dismay of every South African, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Sorry. <laughs> All but, right, Karen's not allowed back. <laughs> it's a great time to be involved in rugby. Uh, excited for the the the, the next uh, right. season of MLR, um, and we'll see all of the politics that come along with that too. <laughs> Absolutely, you're certainly going to be, of course, supporting the arrows through the MLR season. And I would not be surprised to be able to have you here to be able to talk about many of those matches upcoming. As we on the Rugby Rant will continue to be able to turn our attention to the MLR as the season comes closer. Um, but of course, make sure that you follow us online to be able to get all the news and more with us each and every week. And again, thank you, Karen, for joining us. But more importantly, thank the fans at home and welcome. We will see you back in just a few moments.